You're listening to Wood Talk Online, a podcast for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Spagnolo and Matt Vanderlist. Take it away, boys. Welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode 37 for June 15th, 2008. I'm Mark Spagnolo. And I'm Matt Vanderlist. And you know what? As always, right at the top of this, we got to get this out there. And, but of course, we'll put it towards the end too because I never remember. But, anyway, so if you have a comment, question, suggestion, feedback, all that good stuff, you can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or you can pick up your phone and leave us a message at 623 242 2450. Send us some great feedback or just, you know, send us a hey, how's it going? Hi, stuff like that. <laughs> anyway, so. We have got some great stuff going on. It has been a really, really busy time in my shop. Um, and I, Mark, I have a sne- sinking, a sinking, a sinking? sneaking S- suspicion. Stinking suspicion? Stinking? It, it's probably like a stinking, stinking suspicion. Stinking. I haven't showered all day, so it's stinking around here big time. But I know that you've been super busy. And uh, oh, yeah. you know what? I, I've got I've to congratulate you, buddy. Um, I hear that somebody is uh, affiliated with Little Popular Woodworking. Maybe you're writing a little article <laughs> like that. Uh, I'm not sure who. Um, Chris is writing a lot of articles for Popular Woodworking. Uh, oh, I, Chris, who? I've never heard of him before. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we, we actually, yeah, we're sort of uh, doing a regular column for Popular Woodworking Magazine, and we're uh, obviously extremely excited about it. Um, the column's going to be called The Wood Whisperer, uh, oddly oh, enough. Oh. Original title. Yeah, I guess. yeah. That's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, we're going for something unique. And um, it's it's basically just going to be thoughts and impressions and um, techniques, comments, whatever happens to be on my mind at the time. Uh, and also we'll feature an accompanying video that's going to be available on the Popular Woodworking website. And our first article comes out, uh, well, I believe the magazine is released this month, but it's the August 2008 issue. And, okay. uh, yeah, so if, if you don't already subscribe, uh, head to the newsstand, check it out, and uh, you could see my first really true official. Um, I think I, I had an article in Woodcraft Magazine, um, but it was a project. This is, this is actually the first time I've ever done something like this where it's a column. So we yep. are absolutely thrilled. I mean, this, this is really exciting for, for me and for my family, I think, is uh, really <laughs> excited for me, too, because I know how important this stuff is to me. So, it's, yeah. yeah, it's totally cool. Absolutely. You know, I was really shocked because the other day um, I, I was looking at my, my, my blog reader, you know, all my RSS feeds were coming up and it was so funny because I saw something about the wood whisperer and I looked and I'm like, but that's coming from popular woodworking. What is, <laughs> what is that doing? Oh my God, something happened. Something you know, and I was thinking, I must have, yeah, I thought I'm like, man, I really screwed this stuff up so easily. I must have really messed something up and somehow got my <laughs> RSS feeds mixed up. And you know what? It was funny because it was like Friday the 13th and stuff was going insanely wrong that day oh, all man. over. The place. So that was like another one of those. I'm like, oh, ugh, I must have drank something this morning. <laughs> but yeah, so congratulations. That is well, a huge you. thing. And I've seen a lot of the comments have been posted over there, too. And so it sounds like a lot of people are very excited about this. So good things are going to be happening over at Popular Woodworking now. I think so. I think so. You know, and the thing is, Popular Woodworking, and, uh, you know, I have the utmost respect for all of the uh, the magazines and have great relationships with all of them. Uh, but I've really been getting to know a lot of the guys over there. And the, the whole crew over there is just extremely open-minded and, and very uh, willing to work with, um, you know... There's a certain, and I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but I think in in old media, there's a tendency, and whether this is TV uh, or, or magazine and print, things like that, there's a tendency to sort of, I don't want to say fear, but it kind of is like a fear of the unknown in terms of new media 
or mm-hmm. sort of a lack of respect for it uh, that it's you know not worthy of of their time. And I think Popular Woodworking does a really good job of uh, embracing some of this new stuff. And and again, this is not to take away from what the other magazines do. I think Fine Woodworking does a great job as well. Uh, but you know, I think they're they're willing to try some new stuff. They're willing to um, you know to get in there and to give somebody like me, who's you know a year ago was a relative nobody, um, to give me a chance you, to actually write. You've always been a somebody to us, Mark. Don't, Thank you. Don't. Thank you, Matt. Sure. <laughs> I appreciate that. I feel so much better now. Um, but anyway, so I don't want to get too far off on a tangent there. But, you know, uh, today we we are going to have probably one of the most jam-packed shows we've ever had because we're, we're actually trying a different format here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for the longest time, Matt and I have just answered emails. And, you know, the bottom line is we're not really, I don't know, we, we, we sort of know our stuff to some degree, but I don't really want to make this just a question and answer sort of show. Uh, I want to make it more of a full-featured uh, hour of entertainment and and sort of bringing your attention to a lot of things that we find during the week. So we're we're gonna have um, a, sort of a new format with a excuse me, uh, shouldn't drink coffee at twelve o'clock. Oh, it's one fifteen. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm all I'm all screwed up here. Uh, but the um, the idea is we're gonna break the show into sort of segments, you know, that you could look forward to every week as uh, you know containing certain content, and hopefully we'll get more of a shotgun effect. Like you were, we were just talking before we uh, hit the record button uh, to be able to cover a lot of topics that might interest people and give you a reason to uh, call in and make a comment. So um, right. each segment will focus on different things, and you'll see as we go. Uh, we'll start out with our uh, status report and move on to the around the web feature and news and things like that. So. Um, right. Speaking of status reports, sir, uh, I, yep. I've seen you've been working diligently on a bookcase and documenting the process. Uh, where, where are you at with that project? Right. Well, the, the bookcase is actually it, it's completely done and it's actually been handed off to the owner who, um, who hired me to do the job. But essentially what I'm doing now is, like as you said, I, I'm kind of breaking up the video a little bit and I'm trying to give a little bit every single week uh, a, a different step. And it's funny because I'm really trying to kind of categorize the steps that I'm doing. So I did a little bit on milling and then now I'm kind of like, you know, rough dimensioning or actually I'm getting closer to finished dimensioning and kind of going from there. So essentially the project has been finished and what I'm really going to do is basically every Wednesday now I'm going to release a new video that kind of, you know, goes along with the the next step that I did. And I I think I've got about maybe six episodes in total that are going to come out of this or at least I'm going to stretch it out to about six weeks. I think what it's going to work out to, but yeah, it was was a lot of fun working on this and it was a, um, a really a, a neat design because the, the guy that asked me to build this, basically he was he wanted a, a, a very customized bookcase for his daughter because everything he was looking at was like really shoddy and, and was he felt it was a little too tipsy. So it has this unique angle on the front that he thought would be like, you know, perfect just in case his daughter decides to climb the bookcase. It's not going to come out on top of her, which to be honest with you, as soon as it was in the shop, he came in, he was going to pick it up and he's like, oh, look at this. And she climbed up on top of it just exactly the way he thought she was going to. Oh, and, man. Yeah. So there was no tipping that way. And it was it was it was a really unique project uh, in the sense that I really kind of the fact that I documented it was the main thing because anybody that remembers the last time I tried to document something about halfway through it and then it was like <laughs> those shot man I went right through got to the very end and was like oh I, I totally forgot to you know, right. to follow along with that so it was it was a lot of fun and then like I said I, I tried a few other new things with it I mean, I never worked with red oak before so that was that was an interesting situation for me because it's such an open poor you know open you know poor grain system or sure sure wow 
Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got. I think everybody knows what you mean. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and then I also did. Uh, I use shellac, which is becoming another one of my favorite things right now. Which was really that was another that was another part of the design. Is this for a small child? So I wanted to be careful what I was working with. And... Well, how how did the shellac work out for you? Because I know initially, and even myself included, um, shellac is very difficult to apply if uh, if you're new to it. What? How did that go? Yeah, it was very difficult to apply because I was new to it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, it, it, it went fine, although I did have a couple of areas that I think um, I moved a little too slow on, and because shellac mm. dries so quickly, yeah. I made the mistake of, oh, that area must be dry, and it wasn't until I'm thinking, oh, I should have waited till the next coat to try and take care of that. So there was a few odds and end, you know, brush marks in there that probably shouldn't have been in there gotcha. but you know, i was able to take care of it overall and and i was i was very happy with it, it the excellent it came out listen the end result was really excellent and even my wife actually liked it and so if she likes it i must have done something right which is really scary. yeah so it was it was it was really good and anybody wants to see pictures of it i have a a posting at lumberjock i've got you know the three pictures in there and everything and I kind of did a unique thing with the sides where I actually hand cut like half blind dovetails for the sides into the top to try and lock it in place. And that was a, that was an interesting situation, but it turned out not too bad. <laughs> cool. cool. Uh, sounds like a great project. I've been, I've been following along. So if you guys, uh, if you haven't yet tune in, it's, um, it's definitely a good series to see. Right now, if I remember right, aren't you working on a, on a project also, uh, yeah. an entertainment center or something, isn't it? Yeah, finally. Um, it, this is the first time I'm back in the shop since the End Table uh, series. I've just been inundated with work in the office. So it's uh, it was actually a little, I don't know, it was a little foreign, but a really good feeling at the same time to, to hop in the truck and go to the lumber store and just pick <laughs> up materials and build something. Uh, right. It's amazing how much you miss it when you when you don't have it for a while. So. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a small entertainment center like the uh, the low style entertainment center with uh, for a flat panel TV. Uh, very straightforward, simple design. Uh, it's it's one of those popular or um, fine woodworking projects where uh, they're going to publish it on their site. Uh, but the idea is for it to be a project that normally you look at it and you go, "Whoa, you know, I'm going to need a lot of tooling to do this." And my goal is to show you that all you're really going to need is a circular saw, a straight edge, you know, maybe a jigsaw, just very basic tooling. And you can build something like this uh, without too much difficulty. So um, very exciting project. I don't know when it's actually going to be released. I mean, by the time I finish it, I'm going to send the tapes off. They'll do the editing, and I don't know when it's going to be published. So uh, no right. dates there, but it's um, it's a fun little project. And, uh, you know, it's great just getting getting back in the shop and making sawdust. I, I, definitely, I definitely missed it. Right. Oh, yeah, I know exactly how that is because there's been those times that, you know, the shop gets a little dry on projects, so it's either go down and build a lot of jigs, uh, rearrange uh, stacks of wood, or you know just hide out from the family in the shop. So yeah. being able to actually get your feet wet and do a project, totally, yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun sometimes. <laughs> okay, so now for the second segment that we're going to jump into, uh, we're going to call it around the web. Uh, around the web yeah. and two guys and a microphone. There you go, two guys. Well, it's two microphones. Could you imagine if yeah. we shared a microphone? That might be a little weird. We'd have to put a swing arm on that, and like one of us would have to duck once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, next segment is Around the Web. This is where Matt and I uh, make notes of things that we've seen, uh, either blog posts, articles, uh, anything interesting, even entire websites that we found that we thought you guys might be interested in taking a look at. And we're going to kick it off with a, a person who I think really deserves some attention, whether she wants it or not, she's getting it. Um, That's right. <laughs> there is a uh, really amazing woodworker out there by the name of 
Carrie Holtman, and she has a just it's it's a great blog. It's a fantastic blog. I mean the the amount of work that she puts into her articles, it reminds me of you know, and I know we talk about this guy way too much, but it reminds me of Chris Schwartz. I mean, he puts the amount of effort into his blog posts that he would put into any article that he writes. And uh, Carrie does the same thing. So uh, the website is The Village Carpenter, and you can get there by going to villagecarpenter.blogspot.com and check out some of the work that she does. It's incredible. She's got this little uh, very simple carved design that she put on the uh, the uh, tusk tenons for this table that she's building. And it's just this simple, almost like wooden nickel-sized emblem sort of design that she put in there with some carving tools and you want to talk about just manual dexterity to do some of these things um is amazing and the way she outlines them great pictures great write-ups um it's i think a under i don't know it's an understatement to just to say that it's a decent site it's great i I really think it's worth checking out yeah, it is. You know, I, I spent just before we went on the air, I went back through and I wanted to look at some more of her postings. And like you know, like you and I were talking about, I'm like, <laughs> I, I read this, I read some of these articles, I read some of the things that she's talking about, and I'm just like, what the hell am I doing wrong? I mean, it's, <laughs> this is just amazing. Some of the things that she was doing, like like you said, this this emblem that she put on this Tustin, she was actually saying that she made a mistake on a couple of them. And I'm looking at the picture. And I'm squinting pretty hard. I think I see where maybe the mistake is, but the creativity <laughs> to actually put this on there to me yeah. is like one of those, I'm going to be, you know, copying some of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some there's a lot of really good techniques and things to learn. Um, I, I think she does some incredible work, and I think she definitely deserves to be, uh, you know, to to be noted for it. Um, you know, the other thing that that strikes me about this is, and I guess I'm particularly interested in this because of what Nicole does. Um, in a technology industry, being a woman is not exactly easy because it's it, it is male dominated. And when Nicole goes in to do a training session or something at a at a school, she actually has she's already starting with points of against her because she's a woman. Uh, she actually has to prove herself for the first five minutes before people. Well, this is of course generalization. There are a lot of very open minded regular people who have no problem with this, but there's always a few in the crowd who she has to prove herself to first before they even open their mind and start listening to what she has to say. Um, right. Fortunately, she knows her stuff, so it doesn't take very long before they go, "Oh crap!" This you know she knows a lot more than I do. Um, and I think I have a, a, a great respect for especially women who are working in a male-dominated environment and not only not only do it, but do it really, really well. And I think right. that's what Carrie does with her website. So um, worth checking out, guys. Take a look at it. And uh, I, I think you should uh, add that to your bookmarks or get her RSS feed and add it to your reader because it is a worthwhile read. Yeah, it definitely is. And you'll really easily be inspired by a number of the things that she's doing. I mean, it, and, and it's it's very simple techniques that she's talking about, you know, yeah. and, and also she's a great resource. There's quite a few other articles on here that I was reading that she points to some some unique ideas and some great places to look for information about them. So definitely, definitely give that oh, one. A, and if uh, I remember correctly, did, isn't she on the list of uh, bloggers who might be showing up at the um, uh, Woodworking, Woodworking in America, in America. thing? Oh, yes, she is. Yes, she will cool. be there. So, yeah. Definitely, I'm going to do some more reading, and then maybe I'll get her autograph. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, well, you know what? We'll definitely talk to her, no doubt about it. So, um, yeah, absolutely. So what do you have Sweet. around the web, sir? Okay, well, another uh, another thing that I had found, actually, and they, they have a blog, of course, is Highland Woodworking, and they just recently put up their, their latest. It's more like a newsletter is what it is. But, of course, hmm. again, if you subscribe to their um, uh, uh, the actual 
uh, uh, blog itself, this will pop up. And the most recent thing that they had come up, kind of there, of course, they're going through their their summer lineup of their classes. They have a, a unique thing going on every Saturday morning, which is called Saturday at Highland. But one thing that kind of caught my eye, and this is especially true for me since I live in a, a rather humid area right now. The Midwest is just like, you know, we're basically a, a damp sponge. We're probably not as bad as Florida, but we're, we're pretty bad. And they had a really unique article on there that really caught my eye, which was basically talking about, you know, ways to deal with rust on your tools or preventing rust or, you know, um, actually getting rid of the rust and everything else. So that's uh, a unique thing to take a look at. Go over to Highland Woodworking um, and it's uh, highlandwoodworking.com slash woodnews. And that should get you right in there. Actually, just head over to highlandwoodworking.com and you should be able to find it from there. We'll put the link um, up too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like I said, they, they, the question came in from uh, you know just uh, uh, somebody who actually subscribes to the newsletter. And it was, it was a really neat thing. Now, we've talked, of course, before about how do we deal with removing rust and, right. and preventing it. So there's not really a need to go into that. But if you want to take a look at a few good pointers, maybe you, know, you actually are running into a problem. And, of course, they are going to try and point you in the direction of the fact that they have a few of the things they're going to be talking about. But still, they give some really great tips about it. So definitely check that out. Awesome, awesome. Now, uh, let's jump into the next segment. This is this is going to be pretty cool as we go forward with this. But uh, our next segment is news, and we're gonna, you know, any obviously woodworking. It's not like news pops up all the time, but um, you know, anything exciting yeah. or anything that's creating buzz, we'll talk about it. And the one thing that I think has created the most buzz this past month has been the. Uh, the new offering from Bridge City Toolworks, uh, known as the Joint Maker Pro. Um, right. This is a, well, you know, it's kind of interesting. It's an, uh, it's a, a really interesting advancement in the world of hand sawing. Uh, right. If you could think of an immobilized hand saw uh, positioned upside down and a sliding table that sits above it, and the uh, blade can be adjusted up or down, and there's a fence. So now we're talking the precision and accuracy that you get with hand sawing but removing that human element, the shaky hands, the um, you know inability to follow a line, uh, right. <laughs> and basically you remove all of that, but you get all of that fine, you know, razor thin sort of kind of accuracy that you can get with a handsaw. Uh, yep. Now the thing is, this has created a lot of waves in the community because it's a um, well, you know how the uh, the quote unquote Neanderthals can be in terms of uh, you know you sort of have to to pay your dues, to be able to wield hand tools accurately right. and efficiently, it takes a little bit of time and practice. Uh, something like this allows a novice to go up and make, you know, really good quality cuts that might take, you know, a month's worth of uh, practice to be able to achieve freehand. So a right. uh, very cool instrument. And I think the reason for the the controversy for the most part, aside from the, the um, you know, whatever it is, purists sort of point of view, um, the the thing is the price. And, oh yeah, I mean this yeah, is uh, Bridge City Toolworks doesn't make cheap tools, and this is no exception. What what was the price? Thirteen hundred? Thirteen hundred, I think was. What, but they, I think there was going to be an introductory rate of somewhere around eleven hundred or okay. something like okay. that. You know? But yeah, it was yeah starting out about thirteen hundred, and and you're right. This is this definitely made some huge waves. I know I saw the prototype in Chicago. And that was it, – it's a really unique tool and the idea is really – you know, it's really fantastic because you're right there. There are certain things with a handsaw. I mean that, that thin curved blade that just really 
you know, can give you just fantastic results from it. But yeah, there's a huge difference between being able to track the curve with this and holding the other saw with your hand and trying not to shake all over the place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, it's kind of cool. I love when things like this come out, innovations like this that really just make people go, uh, you know, it, it doesn't fit into any particular uh, category that we may have created in the past. So, um, we had actually 29 comments on that thread, uh, on my website and I was late to the game. I mean, pop woodworking talked about it a while ago, uh, brought it up again and that's how I found out about it. And even still we were able to generate good, you know, comments and conversation. Um, I thought it would be kind of fun and funny at the same time to, uh, uh, highlight a couple of the comments that came in Mm -hmm. on this, uh, on the joint maker. Um, Tom says, uh, I'm impressed. This gadget cuts on the push stroke, not the pull stroke. I guess that's because it's upside down. Uh, let's see. And he starts adding things up. Hybrid table saw, $1,200. 220 volt circuit, 300 plus. Dust collector, $300. Eye, ear, face, lung protection, about 100 bucks. Uh, accessories for accuracy, $400. Mobile base, $200. Did I leave anything out? I'll wait until the price moves south a bit, but this is one very attractive tool, even though it won't rip in the middle of a sheet of plywood. So I guess Tom's point is just you could spend a lot of money uh, on these power tools. And cause I think the argument was why spend $1,300 on this little, um, you know, hand powered um, thing when I can actually get a table saw for this much money. And I think Tom is saying, actually, it's going to cost this much if you add all these things together. Um you don't really right. need a 220 volt circuit for a hybrid. So I, I, anyway, that's not the point. I can. <laughs> we could get really tangenty on that part. <laughs> yeah, Tom's Tom's point is was uh, well taken. Um, but yeah, right. so uh, you want to hit the next one there? Yeah, absolutely. I, I like this one from Charles, which is Charles is saying, you know, Bridge City builds superior tools, and that is how they choose to market their brand. At the same time, when we see a unique tool like this that we all want and most of us can't afford or justify at that price, we need to uh, gripe about the ridiculous price mostly as a form of therapy. <laughs> I love that from Charles because that, that's really true. Because there's, I think there's a lot of other tools, especially, again, not to, not to point fingers at Bridgestone Tools or say, you know, make any comments about them, but they have got some amazing innovative tools. But at the same time, it's like you're like, wow, that's just fantastic. And then you look at the price, you're like, oh, that's ridiculous. Who the hell would pay something like that? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely is good therapy. You got to just, you know, get your feelings out there, guys. Uh, don't hold that yep. stuff in. Uh, right. We'll do that on the campfire and we'll, we'll, we'll chant. <laughs> hold hands and sing songs. Um, the last comment came in from uh, Barry. He says, uh, the silly music had me smirking too. Uh, what was I thinking? Finally, power tools for the Amish. <laughs> oh boy <laughs> doesn't get doesn't get better than that um yeah it was it was a lot of fun go over there and uh on the on the wood whisper website and check out the joint maker pro uh post 29 comments and a lot of good good uh good points there uh on various sides of the argument um yep. so you know, I'm, not, I'm not sure but i i think the uh, the owner of bridge city tools i think he's another one that's uh slated to possibly be at woodworking in america i believe so yes maybe we'll uh maybe we'll get some hands on or be able to at least ask him some questions about it yeah you know, maybe while you're distracting him i'll sneak the you know the uh tool out the back door <laughs> yeah are you driving there because uh we got to be have, have to i don't think that's going to get on a plane yeah, I'm going to have to like maybe uh, ask my wife to bring the fast car. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, moving on to the next segment. Uh, this is called Hot Deals. Um, and the idea here is anything that we've come across in uh, email uh, bargains and newsletters from uh, some of the retailers, we're just going to throw out things that we see that look like they might potentially be hot deals. And uh, you may want to jump on them. Uh, the first one I've got here is uh, from Rockler. It's an Irwin quick clamp deal. And let me open up the page here. 
It is $99 for this entire kit. Uh, it says four 6-inch clamps, two 12-inch, two 24-inch uh, clamp spreaders. And the idea here, these are the, the blue and yellow quick clamps. And it comes with, looks like it comes with a bag. And it's an internet-only special. So for 99 bucks, you get a buttload of clamps. Regular price is 150 And, um, you know, the quick clamps are not your end-all, be-all clamps. They're not really that strong. But I find that I still reach for them when I need to, to do minor things and hold jigs and uh, stuff that I know that isn't absolutely crucial that I get, you know, uh, just a huge amount of uh, uh, pressure on that joint. So they do come right, in they're, handy, they're though. great extra set of hands is what it really comes down to. I mean, that's what's so fantastic about them is, yeah. you know, you don't need to crank that extra one. You just squeeze and pull and it's there. So Absolutely. Yeah, it's really worth it. Um, and let's see, we have another one here. Um, I talk a lot about Epiphanes as an outdoor varnish, which is great. And I get mine from Jamestown Distributors, and they are having a sale at this point. I'm not sure for how long. We'll get better at this as we go in, in terms of reporting when the sales uh, expire, if we can. Uh, but right now, uh, they are $16, $16.02 uh, per can, and that's pretty darn good. I don't see what the regular price is, but the last time I bought it, uh, was definitely more expensive than that. So uh, this is great outdoor varnish. It's my favorite. It's uh, probably one of the best that you can get out there. And if you're doing any outdoor projects, this is something you want to take a look at. But 16 bucks a can is pretty darn good. Wow, yeah. And this is perfect time since we're heading into the, that season when everybody wants to be uh, working on outdoor projects. Totally, yes. That's a good uh, uh, one to be working with. Sweet. Yeah, and the last one that I have here, and I have to put the link up and see the details here, sorry. Uh, it is from Woodcraft. It's the Bessie K Body Clamps. Um, they're having a blowout. And uh, according to what I see here now, closeout prices, the 24 inch is on sale for $26.99, regular $35.99. And the 40 inch is on sale for $33.74, nice round number, um, okay. on sale from $44.99. So, you know, we talk about the, the especially K Bodies and the Jet Clamps. Uh, occasionally they will have blowout sales or, you know, big giant clamp sales, uh, and you want to jump on them. Now this may not be the best price you'll ever find, uh, but it certainly is uh, a good price to jump on if you, if you're looking to bolster your collection. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, take advantage of it when you can, because sometimes they, uh, it's a long time between the sales. Yes, yes, totally. All right. Well, you know what? I went out there and I looked for a couple too because, you know, I'm I'm a thrifty guy. I, I try to save where I can here and there. You know, and one thing I was thinking about is I know for a lot of us, our entryway into woodworking is usually because we start with a lot of around the house projects. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, even though we want to concentrate on woodworking, we still do a lot of around the house projects. And I happen to have found this one, which is from actually from True Value. I think we're all familiar with True Value Hardware. And uh, basically, they are offering a $5 off coupon of any $25 purchase, of course, that you make. Uh, and all you have to do is just go to their website, which is startrightstarttherecom Oh, it's start here. I'm sorry. I looked at the extra T and that's, that, that's what's happened there. But anyway, so it'll be in the show notes. Uh, and all you have to do is just basically put in your email address, your zip code, and you can print off this free coupon. And I believe it is good till July 4th. So, you know, hey, $5 off of a $25 purchase or more, hey, that's that's five extra bucks in your pocket. So Heck yeah, that's you know, awesome. Yeah, and of course, you know, they, they have a bunch of other things up there too, which, you know, if you want to, you know, work on some projects or something. And, uh, they you know, they got their whole library up there to help you out a little bit. So that's something to look at. Cool. Now, 
Another one that I found is at Home Depot. We like to uh, uh, mention our, our big box stores once in a while. But sure. they have uh, a the, – if anybody's familiar with the Ryobi combo tools, not the Ryobi, I think it's the OnePlus series, which is basically just, you know, it, it's – a whole bunch of different little tools. You can pop the battery out and uh, swap them from all the other ones. Well, they've got a whole thing going on right now, which is basically buy one combo kit and you can get a free Ryobi one plus tool by email uh, or by email, by mail, uh, mail and rebate. So you can just send that in. You would just go there and I'm sure they're going to have all the details, but of course you go ahead to the website and they have a list of the various combo sets. It's usually like, you know, combo set contains like two or three tools that you can purchase like a circular saw and a big fancy flashlight or something like that and then you can get this third tool or fourth tool depending on how big the combo kit is uh totally free so you know it's it's a neat way to uh kind of get yourself some uh, extra tools around i mean who doesn't like extra tools I, yeah no kidding i, I love some so it's it's kind of something to look at <laughs> yeah i mean those combo tools uh, i think when i first started i actually got a dewalt combo set for christmas and it's great. I mean, there a lot of times you do wind up getting something in there that you don't really use very often. But typically, you know, two out of the three, you know, or uh, three out of the four, you're going to use all the time. I mean, they've got that. I'm um, looking at the 18 volt lithium set, four piece combo for two ninety nine. Uh, looks like it's got the resip saw, it's got a drill, circular saw, and what's that fourth one? Probably a flashlight. Um, that's cool stuff. I mean, that's a great way to get into it. If you're, if you're looking to, to go from nothing to something in a, in a hurry, that's a great way just to start that portable power tool setup. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and Ryobi is kind of making a name for themselves. It's really kind of a more of a, a home product type thing. You know, I, I don't know how many, uh, professional woodworkers are going to be using them, but you know what? Hey, for this price, you can't beat it. <laughs> hey, trust me. You know, when, when you see some pro shops, a lot of times you do wind up seeing a lot of, uh, lower price brands just because, uh, if you think about it, you're in a pinch, you know, a tool breaks down and what do you have to do? You go to the closest place that you can to buy a replacement. And a lot of times, um, no, I'm not going to say that we're all cheap, but we're all cheap. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. I just contradicted myself there. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of tendency to go and just say, look, I got to replace this. I don't want to spend a lot of money. Let me just go get the best thing I can for 50 bucks or whatever. And, and they come back with something from Home Depot. So um, you'll see a lot of those tools in, in pro shops. Now, the question is how long they last in pro shops. That That's a whole different story, but um, right. you'll see them for sure. That's the one that you hand off to your apprentice when they come in. Here, make do with this, and if you can do something <laughs> with it, you might be worth the money. <laughs> right, yeah. Now, um, uh, we'll cover just uh, briefly, uh, this is something that you, you more or less researched, so I'll let you take, uh, take the reins here. But um, concerning, we were just talking about uh, humidity and things like that and the fact that it's getting, in a lot of uh, regions, it's getting a lot more just generally humid. I know the East Coast has been putting up with a lot of high heat and humidity these days. And there's a big concern about the effect on finishes. So you you uh, have some information to talk about with that, Matt? Yeah, I went out and I looked a little bit on this because, you know, this really kind of got me to thinking. You know, it's been so humid here in Michigan recently. It was it was kind of funny. I have to relate this story because I thought it was really interesting. When I was coming down the stairs into my own shop, there was actually a level halfway down the stairs where the handrail it feels just nasty. It's so humid and sticky as I'm going down. And I hit this halfway mark, and then suddenly it's, like, nice and smooth, like there was nothing there. It almost feels like somebody went down and licked the handrail with, like, <laughs> sticky, ewy candy hands, which wouldn't surprise me one bit. Yeah. But this kind of got me to thinking, you know, other than our tools, because we know that humidity is going to really mess with the rust, you know, possibly rust our tools. We need to, you know, take care of situations so that they're not going to get rusted, or if they are, we take care of it 
refer to that blog that we talked about. But what's going to happen to our finishes? Because the number one reason why a finish fails is because moisture has managed to get underneath the finish and kind of pushed it out of the way. I right. mean, that's why paint fails. That's why, you know, top coats fail. So the one thing that I was wondering about is what's going to happen with humidity. If, you, if you're finishing a project in a very humid environment, should you just simply put off working on the project or hmm. what can you do to overcome that? So went out there and did a little bit of looking. I found a couple of links. One was actually at Minwax and then another one was at uh, woodweb.com uh, in their knowledge base. And because apparently somebody else was wondering this too. And the, the one thing that they were suggesting, of course, was, well, if you can wait a day or two when it's as humid as you know, you're concerned about, then obviously you can put it off until it's a less humid day. But there are a couple alternatives that we have. Number one, and I think a lot of people would love to be able to do this, is work in a cooler environment. I think you definitely uh, enjoyed that out there in uh, Arizona when you put in the air conditioning. <laughs> uh, a little bit, yeah. Put it this way. It's the only reason I'm out there every day. <laughs> right. And, of course, uh, you're not really dealing with the humidity. You're just dealing with the fact that it's damn hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. Right. But they were saying how, like, uh, and this is where kind of, like, I must have slept through this part of chemistry or just science in general, but how depending on the uh, the, the temperature is really – going to uh, de- determine the percentage of the like the relative humidity and if you actually increase or decrease the temperature you can change that relative humidity so that you're not going to be as concerned right. so there was actually there was two different ways you could go you could either air condition your shop or definitely put a dehumidifier in place and just let that baby go to town and hope that it's going to suck it all out but sure. you're probably better off you know cooling the area down or the, your other option was actually to increase the heat and that would help to dissipate some of the humidity. Now, I don't know how many people are going to go that route. That's just one of those. Could you, know, you imagine? At, that, I mean, it's already, it's 85 degrees, you know, 70% humidity, and you throw in a space heater. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Honey, yeah, you might as well walk out there like, you know, like all in like quilted suits. And just <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite sure that that would help your finishing, but you might lose some weight. That's for sure. Right. Right. But they were, they were saying that, you know, okay, obviously you don't want to like throw out the space heaters and really start increasing the the temperature but if you are noticing like say like a blushing effect in the finish um especially like i think lacquer and shellac amazingly were two of them that they said you know you could really have problems with right uh you you could turn to um like basically a uh um uh, uh, uh oh it's the word i'm looking like a heat gun or mm. a uh, uh a hair blower and actually hit those areas and it would help to dry them out to okay. remove that extra now, I was thinking a little bit, though, like with lacquer, I don't know how much I want to have a heat source near it. <laughs> Just, Good point. Uh, that definitely doesn't make me feel very comfortable. But they're saying if you are noticing certain little areas that are blushing more than other ones, that's a possibility. You could, you could hit it with this source of heat, and it would actually do, like I said, where you increase the heat, it would decrease the relative humidity. Okay. Um, but the one thing that really shocked me was that comment about the shellac. Because, I mean, shellac is an alcohol-based you know, finish, so therefore it seems like that that would be one of the finishes that would have the least amount of problems. Right. Yeah. But according to them, it actually is one of them that tends to have a greater problem with it. Mm. So that was that was really kind of interesting. But other than that, they really they, I think the main advice they had was, if possible, wait till it's not so humid. So yeah, I, I've always seen finishing in in humidity as my opportunity for a rain day. You know, if you work you if you work construction and you're you know doing an outdoor project and you know it's raining like uh, cats and dogs there that may be your day off um i see the same thing in terms of finishing i just don't want to bother with it if there's a chance 
uh, especially at the point that you're putting a finish on a project is that's not the, the time that you want to screw up. So um, right. in most cases, if it, if it's really high humidity, although there are, you know, not perfect workarounds, I would just rather leave it alone and not bother. Right. I mean, if, if you're feeling the wood, if your dry, untouched wood feels wet, you, you might want to think about it. <laughs> that might be a bad time to finish. Right, take a mulligan that day. Go do something else. <laughs> oh, sharpen some tools. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what we haven't done in a while? A uh, uh, one of Tom's had a tips. Show. Oh, uh, oh, Tom's. <laughs> yeah, Tom's tips. Tom's tips. Um, we have another one here, and this is a uh, well. You know what? Let's uh, let Tom say it, since no one can say it quite like Tom. Hello, everyone. It's Tom Iavino from Tom's Workbench, and it's time for another one of Tom's tips. Using hand planes can be a lot of fun until they become hard to push. While you might think it's time to sharpen the plane's iron, hold off until you try this little tip first. Grab a candle stub, or if you're feeling flush, go to a dollar store and buy a new one, and rub the candle wax over the sole of the plane. Sometimes, you just need a little help overcoming the friction on the board. Plus, if you get the right candle, your planes will smell of exotic Tahitian vanilla. If you want to discover more clever, useful, or even somewhat coherent tips, Check out my blog at tomsworkbench.com or visit any of the other great blogs that belong to the Wood Whisperer Network at twwnetwork.com. Nice. Um, do your planes smell like vanilla, Matt? Uh, no, mine are more like a patchouli. Okay, and, that's uh, nice. You know, that, that, that's a really great point. Now I know what to do with all those candles that my mother-in-law gave us as wedding gifts. I know exactly <laughs> where they're going now. <laughs> you have your uh, collection of candles in the shop. That's nice. Yeah, I've got a big, giant block that a buddy gave me years ago of paraffin that seems to be lasting forever so uh but the candle trick is is a good one that's uh definitely will help the uh the, reduce the friction on your planes for sure right oh, can you imagine that one though walking through the dining room and your wife's like oh my god he's making me a romantic dinner that's so sweet you know <laughs> meanwhile you're actually heading downstairs to wax your planes <laughs> yeah well you know what just uh, as long as you get credit for it you know uh, under the illusion that you're doing something nice that's all that counts Right. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, we got another uh, voicemail here. Actually, we got two voicemails today. This one is from our good buddy, the teenage woodworker, Dennis. Um, he's having a problem centering his bushing. Uh oh. Hey, Mark and Matt. This is uh, Dennis Resendez, and I just have a quick question. Um, as Mark knows, I just got like an old Lee D4R dovetail jig, and I've been. Um, practicing a bit on it, but the problem I have is getting my um, bushing on my router perfectly centered, and I'm still getting those little gaps in between the um, tails and the pins, which don't really matter that much. They're not very noticeable, but I just wanted to see if you had any um, tips on getting my um, bushing just a bit more centered so I can get rid of those. I've just been using the... um, little factory thing that came with my DeWalt router and it does pretty good but I wanted to see if you just had any tips so um all right thanks bye you know you know what's interesting I had a uh, a DeWalt plunge router that I used uh, for years and every time I do a set of dovetails the damn thing would be off-centered and my my uh, dovetails would have these consistent gaps in them and no matter what I did I, I just could not get that out of there and then I realized that they, you know, mine didn't come with it, but I realized that they have these centering mandrels that you can use and you, you sort of chuck it up into the, the collet 
pull it down and then loosen your bushing and allow the bushing to uh, to lock down in a perfectly centered position. So I'm not I'm not sure what his came with. I assume it's something along those lines. And usually that's adequate uh, to get you where you need to be. And I don't really have any recommendations for centering beyond using one of those. It's it's too fine of a detail sort of type of work that you can't exactly do it with your naked eye. And I'm not even sure how you might sort of supplement that process. So if he doesn't, I mean, hopefully it is like a standard centering mandrel. I know Festool has one, and I've had a hard time locating other sources for them right. uh, that you can use. And even the Festool one might be in millimeters, so it may not be the best option uh, for Dennis here. So um, if anybody else has any suggestions for tricks that you might use, because it sounds like he's already got a mandrel and it's just not doing the trick for him. So uh, if anybody right. has any tricks, tips, or anything concerning that, uh, you know, send us a, a voicemail or email so we could forward that on to Dennis. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I, that was the first thing I was thinking. I was like, oh, you got to get that little, the mandrel itself, get that in there. I mean, mo- most of them come with those, but yeah, right. if that's the case. Yep. Short of some sort of pinpoint laser system. Ooh, that'd be neat. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? That- <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got another voicemail here, Matt. Uh, this one is going to be directed a little bit more toward you. It's from uh, from Jack, and hopefully it won't be too loud. Hi, <laughs> uh, Mark, Matt, Jack, Emmer again. I've to ask for Matt. Uh, what block plane would you recommend for the sulks of cleaning up tenants? That's what I really wanted for, and I'm not sure which one you uh, recommended the other, uh, 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 whatever I call it, issue. So if I can get a double in that, I'd appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Okay. Let's see here. We're going to talk about maybe cleaning up some tenants in a block plane. The, the two block planes that pop in my mind first when it comes to actually cleaning up tenants are – uh, a skew block plane and a rabbit block plane. And Lee Nielsen actually happens to make both. Uh, and I'm pretty sure you could probably find a really old uh, Stanley, but I, I would definitely uh, check Lee Nielsen first because the, the, the main thing that we want when it comes to cleaning up tendons, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume that we, w- the main concern we want is to make sure that the shoulder gets nice and square, that the actual face of the tendon going into the, the actual shoulder. So we want to be able to get in there, square that up because if anybody – who's made tenons knows that if there's any little bit of a gap, like on the inside of that shoulder, then it's going to translate so that when you bring the pieces together, you're going to have this visible gap all the way around the shoulder itself. Right. So by, by having that, like this, the skewed blade, which basically goes right to the very edge of the block plane body, because a traditional block plane, obviously the, the blade sticks out the very center. The mouth doesn't go to the actual edges. So a rabbit block plane or a skew block plane are your, your, my first two choices for going to, to take care of that. Now, another alternative would be to use a shoulder plane because you could – I use my shoulder plane to clean up the, uh, the cheeks of my tenons and then also the actual shoulder itself. Mm-hmm. So that, that's another option. Um, you could actually use a uh, router plane to help clean up the actual uh, face of the tenon and then – if you're very careful, you can kind of get it over and clean up the actual where it meets the shoulder. But you're going to have to be careful with that one because really the, the, the router plane is more kind of a, a cleanup effect. It's what it's really going to do. You clean it up, the, the, the face, the cheek of the, the tenon itself. I don't really recommend using the router for very uh, delicate situations where to me – cleaning up the tendon where it meets the shoulder is a very delicate situation because you could really screw that up and it's going to mess up your your actual mortise and tendon joints. So 
those are the the ones that I'm thinking the most. Definitely the skew block plane, the rabbit block plane, or a shoulder plane. Other than that, um, I don't know. I guess you could even just reach for a, uh, a chisel and spend a little extra time and a little extra diligence cleaning it up. But uh, <laughs> I, I think the other ones would work a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Yeah, you know, I don't have a, uh, a rabbiting block plane, but I've they've caught my eye a number of times. I've just never um, had a chance to pick one up. But I use my shoulder plane primarily, and then any other you know smoothing from that point, I just go to my regular block plane and clean it up. But um, yeah, that seems like something to, to be on the shopping list. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. If anybody wants to buy me the rabbit block plane, I'd be more than happy <laughs> to take it. But yeah, I'm right there with you. Shoulder plane does the majority of my work. So Matt, Matt is officially accepting tool donations in case anyone feels generous. That's um, right. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, let's finish up with a, a pretty simple email concerning finishing from Tom. Uh, he says, I'm confused on when to pre-raise the grain when finishing. Does one do this only when using water-based stains or finishes, or is this a good standard practice for all finishing? Is it best to use water to raise the grain, or does alcohol or mineral spirits have benefits? I'd love to know the full story. Cheers. Now, we've already replied to Tom, so he has our answer, but we figured this would be a good thing to uh, cover uh, on the show. Um, You know, I would say that, in general, it is based around water-based finishes. The idea is that water, once it dries... A lot of those little um, torn shards of wood and things that are laying on the surface will now stick upright as it swells and then dries again. Um, So when you put water on a wood surface afterwards, even if it was smooth before, you sand it to 220, hit it with some water, all of a sudden it feels like you've got all this grit all over the surface. Um, Usually the idea is to sand that back down and then you could put your water-based finish on top because now you've already, it really is only going to swell uh, and create that nasty uh, rough surface once. Uh, it may do it a little bit the second time, but not nearly as much. So we pre-raise the grain in an effort to uh, to get the smoothest finish possible. It is really something that's isolated for the most part to water-based finishes, but you will notice, even with alcohol and, and oil-based finishes, a lot of times that first coat that you put on does rough up the surface quite a bit. So if you really wanted to, You could get some distilled water and spray every project down before you start staining and finishing, no matter what uh, the system is in or what the carrier is. Uh, But that's a lot of work, and it isn't quite necessary because a lot of times you're going to sand those, you know, let's say you're using a wipe-on oil-based varnish. You're going to put maybe one or two coats on and then sand that second coat anyway with like 320 or something. So you'll get to the the sanding portion. I, I think Pre-raising in that case kind of just makes more work for yourself. The idea is if you're going to use a water-based stain, you don't really want to sand that surface because you're going to take the color off with it. So if we pre-raise, hit it with a water-based stain, then hit it with a top coat, you know, you could then sand your first or second coat uh, of top coat instead of sanding the actual stain in the color. So um, that's pretty much the story, and uh, I I really reserve pre-raising for water-based stuff only. Right, yeah, and more or less, you're just going to make extra work for yourself if you if you if you want to take those extra precautions and and do that yeah. with you know all the other finishes. And I don't like doing a lot of extra work, so <laughs> uh, I don't think many of us do. Uh, there's enough work to do just to get the job done. So, um, right. you know, one question though, I want to ask you: Have you ever noticed between species of wood if one like soft woods are more? Uh, likely to to have the grain raised substantially versus hardwoods? I, I haven't really 
I, I've thought about that, and I think I've just done a, a general precaution and just hit them equally. Yeah. I've always wondered if anybody else has noticed if if it's like if there is a difference between the two. Um, you know, I haven't noticed. I mean, I've noticed that some woods, and I can't even – I've never logged them away in my brain. Um, some certainly seem to do it more than others, and I don't know whether it's a result of the technique maybe that I use to sand it. Maybe I didn't blow enough dust off. Um, you know, so I can't really attribute that to being a species issue. But um, that doesn't sound like it's beyond the realm of possibility that that may actually be the case, that some species do it more than others. So, hey, there's another thing. If anyone has uh, uh, anyone has any input on that, let us know because that, that could be an interesting thing too. Right, definitely. definitely. Especially since we're working humidity, people. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Sweet. All right. Well, I think that just about does it for us. That's a full jam-packed, feature-rich, awesome show for everybody. Right. We're hoping you'll really like the new format because this is definitely we're, we're getting a lot of information in there. And again, this is an opportunity for, you know, a lot of you with with some some great feedback and maybe some ideas, too, that you could, you could help join out, fill out this whole entire show. Oh, yeah. Let so, us and let us know if, if you if you like the format, if you don't like it, suggestions We're you know, we're open. We're I think at this point, the show is going to just go out whenever we can. And we'll have a lot of time in between to really you know, work on the format of the show to make it the, the most, uh, the best use of an hour of your time, or in this case, about 50 minutes of your time as we possibly can. Right. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, some of the feedback, you know, just tell us what you're thinking. Drop us a line at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or of course, pick up that phone and call us at 623-242-2450. Or, you know what, just leave us a nice little comment over at the website. We likes that too. We love that. And, uh, you know, it's summertime. Everybody's uh, got their mind on other things other than woodworking. It is traditionally the podcasting slow season, if there is one. And, uh, you know, all I want to say is, look, take a break from the family. They're not going anywhere. You know, go listen to some podcasts, get in the shop, and, and get your priorities straight, okay? That's right, damn it. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> That's a joke. Uh, we, we definitely promote people, uh, you know, spend time with your family. Uh, we'll talk online is not that important, so... Uh, and you know uh, what? what? Our sh- oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I truly believe that. And our, our, uh, our shows aren't going anywhere. So we understand if we don't get as many voicemails as we normally do. This is the time to, to go outside, you know, cook up a few burgers and uh, spend time with the fam. That's right. And if you've been stuck up inside like I have all winter long, man, you see that sun, you've got to run for it. And I know many of you, um, you this is your garage woodworking season. So get out there and do something. Yeah, let us know what you're up to. Right, but bring us along with it with you because we miss you. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, have a great woodworking week, and Matt, we will talk again soon. Absolutely. Take care, everybody. Adios.